For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. See ebaymotors.com. Believe in the Arizona Cardinals. We are back. My name is Javon J. Love Adams, and beside me, as always, is my co-host, the one and only Ed Easy Smith. Again, he not only is he what did he play professional baseball, but he also played for NFL Europe, and more importantly, for he's an NFL veteran. He's vested. When we talked about that a couple of weeks ago, he is vested. And, and and he don't wear vests because his muscles don't bulge like that anymore. But anyway, he played for the Lions. He played for the Redskins. He played. He had a quick stop in St. Louis. I see. I'm saying I'm remembering that. And then he also, of course, he played for the Falcons and he played for the Eagles as well. Did I get them all? You got him. You missed the Browns for a quick pit stop, but I, I'm impressed you got you th- tossed them uh, St. Louis in there. I do what I can. <laughs> I do what I can. I've been I've been uh, eating more fruit, so trying to get that memory going, man. So, so anyway, so we are a Cardinal centric show, and we talk about the Cardinals. Of course, uh, we're we're located here in the Phoenix market, and so we kind of bring our our own views and things. Of course, Ed, since he was in the locker room. He, he kind of uh, corrects me where I might be a little bit off off uh, off the mark there. And so so we like to bring the conversation to you. And sometimes we bring in, and we'll probably be doing this a lot more, is bringing in uh, some guests. And so being able to have some conversations with people that we respect throughout the industry. And so joining us, he's been on the show before, but welcoming him back is the one and only Earl Casual E. Burnett, he runs uh, KSRN Casual Sports Radio Network, KSRNAZ.com, and he does, uh, he he had me on his show a few days ago, and he was talking about how many jobs I have, but he he is, he does Herculean things with KSRN, so how you doing, man? I'm doing good, you say he runs KSRN, no, KS, K, KSRN is running me. <laughs> there you go. Oh, man. There you go. So <laughs> we good. are... So we are going to, uh, this week, I want to talk, gentlemen, and this is cool because I get the perspective of some really knowledgeable gentlemen when it comes to the National Football League. And we could talk about King and Drake. Last week, we we talked about uh, what Chandler Jones. So this week, we're going to talk about King and Drake and just his value, what we expect, strengths and weaknesses. So just from both of your perspectives, 
And we're going to talk about the offensive line. We know that there was uh, – it's happening around the league where you have players that are opting out of the season. But wanted to talk about the offensive line anyway, but but there was a, there's a noticeable opt-out on the offensive line for the Arizona Cardinals. And then, of course, uh, one of the, we, last week we, we started kind of going through the different uh, divisional opponents of the Arizona Cardinals. And this week – so last week was the Seattle Seahawks, and this week we're going to talk about those dreaded San Francisco 49ers. So – Let's get started again with King and Drake. So, gentlemen, last last season, King and Drake, he played for two teams. He started out in Miami and, then, and of course, was traded over here to the Arizona Cardinals. Uh, when he was with, the, my, with Miami, he was averaging about 3.7 yards per attempt. Uh, then he came over here, and all of a sudden, it was, it, he crept over five. Uh, really was able to make people forget about that other running back that got traded to the Texans. And there's maybe seemed to be a little, a lot of uh, expectation and excitement around King and Drake. He signed, uh, what is he, a one-year tender, I believe. So uh, he's, he's, it's in a contract year, him and also with Patrick Peterson. So maybe a lot to play for, but I wanted to get your guys thoughts on King and Drake. He seemed to really make a, a really positive and first impression last last season with the with the Cardinals. So I want to get your thoughts. We're going to start with you, Ed. What do you think about King and Drake? Well, I thought he was a real spark plug to the uh, offense last uh, season, especially after everything we dealt with, as you call him that other. I guess uh, you know talking about the former running back is like talking about a former. Uh, girlfriend, you never bring her name up, right? So we'll talk about how that other dude that was here, you know, uh, we always talk about his, like, lack of fire and the different things that he he wasn't doing. You know, he wasn't hitting holes. He was looked very passive. And then all of a sudden we got Drake in here, and it was like, wow. And like I said, it was like, you know, meeting that new girl at the club, and it was like, you know, she was out there grooving with you on the floor and everything, like, old girl wouldn't. And next, you know, you got you excited, and it was like, and, you know, like I said, he, I think he really brought a punch to the offense. And, you know, he, uh, uh, you know, kind of, I, you know, I guess he, he really did earn this little tenure he got. We're going to see where they go from there. But, you know, I was really surprised at his fit because, you know, he, not only did he run the ball well, he caught the ball well out of the backfield. And, you know, from what I saw, I knew one of those things that we don't pay attention to a lot, he actually picked up the blocking schemes uh, well, you know, and, and that was impressive. A lot of times running backs, especially when they're coming into a new system, all they want to do is catch the ball and, uh, you know, uh, run the ball, obviously. But he actually picked things up, and I thought that was really impressive. And he took some of the, the burden off of uh, Kyler Murray, you know, giving any young quarterback an option, uh, you know, a running option. It just frees up a lot of different things. So I'm really excited to see what he's going to do. With a full, you know, obviously we say full offseason under his belt, but with everything going on with coronavirus, you know, obviously nobody's been at the facilities. But I'm interested to see how they're going to incorporate him into the offense knowing that he's here from start to finish. So I was very pleasantly surprised as far as, you know, uh, any minuses in his game. Well, we'll, you know, I do, I'd like to focus on the positive. You know, I'm a positive man, Jay. So we'll <laughs> get into those other things down the line. But like I said, I was really encouraged by what I saw in the sample that we saw in uh, 2019. What you got, Earl? Well, yeah, Ed pretty much said it all there. I mean, I liked from the beginning that his fit, like he just got through saying, his, he fit this offense so perfectly because this style of offense is designed for quick decisions and bursts. 
And those were the things that David started lacking was the decision-making. He was doing a lot of dancing in the backfield. You know, we used to always talk about the dance steps in the backfield. <laughs> yes. And he doesn't hit the hole. He was not, he, he had trouble trying to find the hole, but this guy, Kenyon came in and, and you know, it was just all attitude and intensity that helped him in the beginning because he didn't even know the offense when he came to the league and when he came to the Niners, I mean, to the, to the Cardinals, he didn't even know the offense and he played the 49ers that night and just took off because right. he's, he was able to make decisions, see a hole and hit it. And he just hit it with that burst. And that, that's what uh, helped him because that fits this offense. I mean, coming in and getting that 4.8 yards per carry, eight touchdowns, uh, 817 yards in 14 games, that is not too shabby for just coming in and learning the offense for the first time. So I love going forward. Hopefully that he keeps that intensity. Hopefully he keeps that fire that's lit under him but I think he's just naturally that type of runner so I think we'd be fine I think now, it's gonna be a good fit going now, along those lines we and this will kind of it'll almost have us transition into the offensive line in just a few moments but we know that Kingsbury would love to run that that 10 uh run that 10 10 offense so what one one uh one back and then uh and no tight yeah, 10 personnel 10 personnel thank you and so but in order to really, it seems like in order to really make that, make the best use of a back such as King and Drake, you have to do what he was doing towards the end of the year where he was running different packages, different personnel packages to be able to highlight the what he had as opposed to just trying to fit a square peg into a round hole. Do right. you, you, what do you think about maybe how Kingsbury is going to, in terms of the personnel packages that he's going to use? We'll start with you, Casual E. I think it's just going to stay the same. I mean, you got production out of him. You got 817 yards in just, you know, a little bit of time that he was there. So you're, he's going to use the same packages. You're going to see him out of the backfield a whole lot more because now that you have that deadly weapon on the outside now, Kenyon's going to be even more dangerous. And you can, I mean, he's, he's, I mean, just as a coach, you're thinking, man, the, the plays are endless that I can use this running back right now. So he's going to be a really good piece to use to, you know, fool a lot of defenses because – uh, his style of running, he runs hard. Like I said, he, he, he knows how to play in space. And you know with the air raid offense, space is the key to the whole thing. So you get that guy out in space. It's going to be a lot of those dump-offs out of the backfield where he's going to be one-on-one with somebody, with a linebacker. And it's going gonna, it's gonna to be pretty – he's going to use him in the, in the passing game a lot in this what, season, I believe. What do you think, Ed? Well, I, you know, I'm hoping he does uh... – utilize him especially in the passing game uh because that's a that's a great weapon i'll counter you with this uh brother earl i'm hoping that kingsbury doesn't think that just because it was somewhat successful last year that it's going to be successful this year we all know what happens is the defensive coordinators around the league have had a chance to look and kind of evaluate what they did. And it's all about making adjustments. You come out there with the same packages and the same game plan this year. Uh, you know, after, especially after seeing what Kenyon did, they're going to be keying up for him. Coming into some of the games last year, we didn't know what role David was going to play, what role Kenyon was going to play. And it was kind of a mix. Mm-hmm. Now that they know the whole plate is on Kenyon, they're going to be coming with game plans to stop those particular, uh, you know, formations. And they're going to be more right. used to the packages and stuff like that. The biggest thing for me is come out with some wrinkles. You can't come just because this worked last year and we're going to just give them more and more and more of it. You better come with some adjustments and new wrinkles because otherwise they're going to be doing their thing on the other side and stopping what you do. And then 
as you always say, Earl, we're going to get that man standing over there shaking him papers. And, and, and that, <laughs> that could lead to some bad things. So, like I said, I love where we started. We just got to make sure we don't come with the same old, same old and right. uh, end up, you know, behind the eight ball because we're not ready to uh, make those adjustments. You're talking about wrinkles. There, there, has, there, there is another wrinkle, actually, that will be in there when you think about it. Yeah. Last year you had a rookie quarterback that was learning the offense. Now you have a second-year quarterback that knows it in, in and out, and he is one of those uh, new wrinkles. Because I've said this before when, you, when we did the neutral zone before, but think back of that year when 2K, uh, Chris, Chris Johnson had the 2,000-yard rushing year. What aided in that? It was Vince Young being able to run and pass. Now you got Kyler being able to run and pass. The defense is not going to know what hit them now that Drake's going to have all these other opportunities because Kyler can be a weapon to run too. Then you got that guy over the top again and fits in the whole offense together as a whole. Drake is going to have a monster season. I just really think so. I like that. So, Again, this is Believe in the Arizona Cardinals. Uh, this is Javon J. Love Adams joined by my, my co-host, Ed Smith, and we have special guests. He's family to us, Earl Burnett, casual EFKSRNAZ.com. And offensive line. Now, this is something I think is going to be an interesting – this might get a little spicy. When, when uh, Ed was at the crib last week, I was talking about, I was talking about wings, and so he started, he started to get a little hungry and started to salivate a little bit and made him want some spicy stuff. He said, I got to go and try to get a little greasy, Jay. It, there, when, when it came time for the, off, for, for the draft uh, this, just recently, I think we were all a little bit – we all had differing opinions on what the Cardinals needed to do. Uh, I, I, and, and so I don't want to put words in anybody's mouth. I'll let y'all say what y'all say. But the offensive line, it seemed like it was getting a bad rap at certain points of the season. And it was because, as, as Earl mentioned, it was that rookie QB that instead of trying to get a couple of yards or instead of throwing the ball out of bounds, he what he was doing was he was just running and falling down. And to, 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 to take a sack or running out of bounds more, more specifically. Um, this offensive line, according to Pro Football Focus, they had them at least going into this season ranked number 21 out of, uh, out of 32 teams. But then also they had them as a, at the end of last season as about a top 10, almost just outside of the top 10 in terms of offensive line efficiency. I wanted to get your thoughts on this offensive line. And, and lastly, I'll say this. I mentioned the opt-out in the beginning of the show is that, what is it, Marcus Gilbert decided to opt out. So now that's going to put a little bit more pressure on those to step up to be able to solidify that offensive line. So I'm going to start with you this time, Earl. Your thoughts on the offensive line. Uh, and, I mean, uh, it, it, are they good? Are they bad? Are they somewhere in the middle? Your thoughts on the offensive line. When we think about the offensive line, you got to put the whole thing together as a whole. Okay. What did Kenyon Drake do when he got there? He yeah, ran the football, that. didn't he? Yeah. Yes. The offensive line started to play better down the stretch. They, the last five games of the year, they were getting better. They were the reason why those holes were there. Without those holes, there's no 817 yards from Kenyon Drake. The offensive line has done a good job. Yes, Kyler had taken 22 of the 41 sacks were on him. On him, as far as, like you saying, getting into the pocket, running out of there too quick or – or laying down, running right into the, the pressure of the defense because, you know, he doesn't, he's a little tentative in what he's seeing. So he's, like you said, falling down, and he's taking those sacks and then taking negative yardage. But the offensive line going forward, I thought, was going to be a strength 
it's you know right now especially all the depth that they're adding right now and um marcus gilbert i thought was going to be that key but then of course the opt-out now that makes it two years straight that this guy has not even played it down for the team and it's like man i mean but and he and a year ago before the acl injury he was probably playing the best in the camp Mm -hmm. of the offensive line and that's why the cardinals gave him another one-year deal for a million dollars because they saw what they saw last year we can get that guy in the camp from last year we got some depth going but now that he's gone it steps it up for that rookie now. Josh Jones is 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 is, is time to man up now with no with no off season, no OTAs, no rookie camp, no preseason games. Now this this rookie's going to have his head spinning trying to get ready for this dang on lead for the season cuz he is going to be forced into depth action action. So I don't know. I I I think the offensive line is going to still be a strength because we have, you know, the guys that have been here already. And like I said to a lot of people before, remember, air raid offense, in my opinion, air raid offense doesn't require you to block that long. So the offensive line, the scheme helps them alone. So I think with the depth that they have just to cover for injuries and those type of things is going to help. I think it should be maybe not, you know, the biggest strength, but it's going to be, you know, stable, stable enough for this offense to look dynamic on the field. Easy. What you got? You know, I didn't, there was no mystery or, you know, no secret when the draft came around this year and we all talked about what the Cardinals should do. I was very adamant. I was like, look, go get an anchor for that offensive line. And obviously, we know they went a different route. Uh, even with that being said, just like Brother Earl uh, just mentioned, they were improving last year for me. And uh, some of that has to be accredited to how King Drake came in. And like I said, he he covered up a lot of the stink. You know, it was like a good cologne. You know, you can go be without a shower for a couple of days. You know what you do. You're in a hurry. What do you do? You know, grab that cologne real quick. You know, you know, and you move on, right? So, yes, sir. Yes, sir. And that's kind of what Kenyon did. He made the stink kind of go away a little bit <laughs> because of what he was out there doing. What the, the, the one thing for me is, you know, you talk about what COVID, the effect of COVID, right? The we talk about as a team how you know it's going to affect your you know young head coach is going to affect your young quarterback. Obviously, uh, another unit that we're going to have to watch out for getting off to a slow start and then still trying to gel is that offensive line. The more time these guys have to spend together in a normal setting is invaluable. And real quick, you know, when I was with the Falcons in '97, we stunk to high heaven. You could see during that off season leading into that '98 season. Our offensive line, they become like they became like one. We ate, you know, as I say as a tight end, we ate with these dudes. We went out with these dudes. We bowled with these dudes, you know, and they started to really come together. And that's what catapulted us into that, uh, you know, Super Bowl run. And what COVID is doing is stunning the growth of those guys. So now they're going to have to come together. And it's almost going to be like, you know, starting not necessarily over, but a lot of things that they developed last year is going to be slow coming. So, but I, I agree with, with Brother Earl. I think it's it's a it's a it's a good work in progress. I think a couple of years ago we talked about how bad they were, right. just because they were so non-aggressive and they were you could tell they just didn't gel. And so I think we saw some of that coming together at the end of the year, last year. I, I would warn everybody to be a little patient because without an off season and everybody's in the same boat, but it's going to be a kind of a feeling out process to begin the year, and then obviously you throw in no. OTAs and opportunity to hit as much as they should. It's going to be a little sloppy, but I think they'll they'll show signs 
of protecting Kyler and, uh, you know, who knows what they might do, especially with Kenny Drake back there from the start. So, so leave me with this because you mentioned something earlier and I want to, I want to ask Ed about this a little bit further. So with, with, uh, what was it with Josh Jones having to step in and so without, without any of the OTAs, without any of that. And so there is much more pressure. There is, there is much more responsibility that's put upon this young man's shoulders. It's, the, how does how does how can you compensate for somebody whose head will probably be swimming? Because I believe because last week we talked about when you if when you when you're in the the preseason you get to understand okay this is what that the feeling of being in the game is like and then you ratchet it up to the regular season and then it takes it up another notch. So how do you how do you compensate for a, for a player whose head's going to be spinning? There is no compensation, bro. <laughs> not, not at the professional level. I mean, if you're right. in college, you know, you, at the professional level, it's all about manning up. And you know, if you're swimming, man, you you get eat, you get. If you're if you're a baby in the in the baby uh, fish in the pool, then sharks are gonna eat you up. And at some point, you know, he's gonna have to step up and either show that he can, you know, at least maintain. Right. And if you don't. Hey, we got to start looking at other options. Otherwise, it, it's all a, a bad uh, a science project, you know. So, yeah. like I said at this at this level, I'm sorry to say there are no excuses. Uh, when I was playing, you know, I was coming from being a baseball player to a football player, right? And I remember the first couple of mistakes and stuff I made in my career, and they would look at me and it was like, I don't care where you came from, you better know where you're at right now. And, <laughs> yeah, start, and like I said. It's time to play with the big boys, so no excuses, man. Time to you put up or shut up. Yeah, he has to take care. I mean, he has to he has to take advantage of every rep that he's going to get in in training camp. I mean, I, to get him with the first team, it's going to be. I mean, with this type of camp that they're going in right now, I don't even kind of <laughs> I don't even see how they're going to get any of those rookies to be up ready ready except for Isaiah Simmons possibly because they got so many positions they can put him in, but. Coming in, I was saying I thought that the whole rookie class this year was going to be put on the shelf because of this COVID-19 season and because of having to be ready with no preseason games going right into regular season games. These guys are not going to have enough time to get up to par unless you're just a serious talent that is that good that you have to get on the field. Josh Jones is forced into that. You have to come out and man up now. And like, like Ed said, it's time to play with the big boys. Let's see what you got. That's it. Short period of time. It's gonna be right, tough right. for him, and I don't. Th- I don't anticipate him starting right out the gate. Of course, I think his they're gonna use the cup the first of the first two or three, four, maybe five pre. I mean, regular season games as preseason games for this kid. So he's gonna work his way up there. There's no way he's gonna be ready to go right out the gate. No way. Mm-mm. Indeed. So out the gate, I want to. We, we at the gate, we know that there's a, a lot of expectations put on the San Francisco 49ers. So want to transition and talk about them. Last week, again, we talked about the Seattle Seahawks, the 49ers, 13 and three last season. They, they ended up getting to the Super Bowl and falling short. One of the things, and I, I want to let you guys take this wherever you want, but your expectations for the 49ers in term, and how do you think that the Cardinals will fare against uh, against the 49ers this season? Of course, not really knowing how how uh, this is something that's a, a fluid situation. It's dynamic. What you think now can change in two or three weeks, of course. But one of the biggest question marks for me is, well, there's two question marks. It's the Super Bowl hangover. 
that, that you always hear about. And so I don't know if Ed thinks it can debunk that and think it's just a myth. But then also there's been a lot of criticism thrown at Garoppolo, the quarterback, Jimmy Garoppolo. Is it warranted? Do you think that he's ready to, to, to take all these bullets, to take all these arrows that are being slung his way? So let's start with you, Ed. What do you think about the San Francisco 49ers? Man, they're going to, they, they're going to be a very formidable team uh, once again this year, uh, primarily because they didn't heap everything on top of Jimmy G's shoulders. You know, he was he was not cast in the role, and this is a credit to Shanahan how he put that offense together and with some of the weapons they have and everything like that. It wasn't about Jimmy G dropping back and throwing 40 times a game. They have an established running game. I know they had a couple of – I think they lost Breda, maybe, uh, but they've replaced him. They are a run-based team, so that's one of their strengths. The other thing I, I find, I, I listen to all the criticism heaped on top of Jimmy Garoppolo's soldiers. I'm like, you guys realize with the performance he had, mm. he got to the Super Bowl. It wasn't like right. he – you, you, you know, it's like, okay, so he didn't win it. He was one right. pass away from possibly yep. pulling off that, you know, and, and who hasn't missed a pass in a game, okay? So he's one pass away from actually leading the team to the Super Bowl, but everybody's like, oh, can you do it with Jimmy? You know, what's wrong? And I'm like, you know, what? what so what, what do you expect from the man, right. you know? Coming off injury, uh, taking that team over to the Super Bowl, they have all the weapons. They've got the great uh, head coach, in my opinion, and and then you toss in the fact that they've got defense out the wazoo. I mean, so their defense alone is going to keep them in game. So for me, you know, I still consider them the class of not just the NFC West, which I think is the best division in football. I still think you have to put them in the upper echelon of team to beat in the NFC, could repeat as the NFC champion. And as far as the Cardinals, you know, facing them, it's, we're going to have our hands full with them every time we step on the field with them. Like I said, just because they can get after it on the defensive side. And then you talk about some of the weapons they have on the offensive side of the ball. And if Jimmy G, if he just does what he did last year, you know, or even takes a step forward and gets better. I mean, what can you, you know, like I said, they'll, they'll keep until he wins his first one, they'll keep throwing daggers at him. But like I said, I'd hate to have, I'd love to have those type of issues, those type of problems that the 49ers have. So I think they're definitely going to be team to, to compete with again, uh, in, like I said, in the, the conference again this year. No question. No question they're going to be the team that everybody's chasing, that's for sure. But going back to your Jimmy G thing, I agree. He's getting a bad, bad rap. Everybody wants instant gratification. And it's like, you, I've always said this, to win Super Bowls and to win big games like that takes steps. And he, the, he's taking a giant leap yeah. his first step. So it's like, my goodness, get a kid a break. He is the perfect quarterback for that team and, that, and Shanahan's uh, system. But when you talk, talk about the 49ers, the thing that the Cardinals and now look at Seattle. Seattle, we have all made moves to stop one thing from that 49er uh, offense, and that's that 21 personnel and run game. Yeah. Them, mm-hmm. man, they, will, they make you eat that football. I mean, look, Seattle went out and got the best safety in the dang old league to come up with Adams to stop that run. Cardinals went out and got them a, a Swiss Army knife with Simmons and all we stacked up on our defensive line. We have to stop 21 personnel, period. That's how you stop the 49ers. They are reigning supreme 
in that <laughs> category. I mean, these guys are averaging 9.59 yards per pass attempt, 5.5 per run attempt, and in, in 21 personnel having a lead blocker and those tight ends. So that's the key to beating them. Because if you put that ball in Jimmy's hands, I'm not saying he can't handle it. I'm just saying that's not their game. They have to have that that running game going at the same time, and that opens up the Jimmy G and the uh, and, and the wide receivers. So every team in this division is is chasing that. Let's we have to stop that running game because they just they they gave it to everybody last year. And just so. to to, to and I didn't answer one question that you tossed out there, Jay. The Super Bowl hangover. Um, it. It's real. It can I mean, oh, yeah. we, we over the years we've seen it. And one of the reasons why it, it is so real, obviously, it's a big letdown after most would consider a successful season. It's also a shorter off season. It's a, a extended period of play for your players. You know, the year I played in uh, in the Super Bowl in '98, we went all the way to January 31st, which was our Super Bowl game, and we were right back in. Uh, OTAs and everything, uh, off-season workouts at the end of March. This is a little different because of everything going on with COVID, but the the, the Super Bowl hangover is real. The thing that I, you know, like with the 49ers, I just don't see, I don't see them letting letting off the gas. So I don't see that affecting them, especially because of way, everything going on with COVID. It's going to be a different year. So, But I, I definitely see them bouncing back this season. When it, if I could say one more thing, when it comes, this is just a personal thing for me. I hate that in the NFC West, those two teams always find a way to one up us. <laughs> always do. And when you talk about stopping the 49ers, what do they go out and do? They get Trent Williams, and now they can keep running the ball on you. It's like, come on, why do we always get one up by this team in <laughs> Seattle? What do, we, we, we can throw the ball on Seattle. What do they do? They go out and get the best damn safety in the league. I mean, come on, man. Why do they got to one up us every single time? Could that have something to do with the superior or a better uh, front office? Or- I, hey, uh, hey, hey. Ooh. Man, Ed, you were right on because I was in my, on my show. I was saying, okay, it's time for us to counter those moves. What are we going to do about it? And we ain't done anything yet. Yeah. <laughs> so before we head out here, I got a random question for you. For you, Ed, you mentioned that, but some people would consider a successful season. Do you consider the season the season that you guys had on the Falcons to be a success, even though you came up short in the Super Bowl? What do you mean, the, 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 the fact that we lost it? Yeah, or? the fact that you lost. Because I know some people would say, nah, that's not a success because we didn't win the last game. Do you consider it a successful Bruh. season? Better to have loved than lost. True that. Never have loved at yeah. all. True that. I got, I got a trinket that I put on my finger that reminds me every day of that glorious journey to the Super Bowl. And I know a lot of dudes who played a lot longer than I did and don't have that to put on their fingers. So as sad as I was, and I cried like a baby on the sideline when we lost that game along with 95% of my teammates, I would almost say 100% of my teammates, I guarantee you every one of us would say, man, I wish we would have won, but I'll be doggone if, hey, that was a success. So Yeah, I mean, thousands of other players in the league would give a right arm to be in that position. <laughs> yeah. That's what they play the game for. They all yeah. get to that Super Bowl. The opportunity to win it. And so to get there, that's success, man. I will, I will say this much, though. I was so ticked off because I was one game away from going to see uh, uh, Willie in, in the White House. Big Bill oh, yeah, Clinton. Yeah. <laughs> man, I'd have been in. I was one win away, bro. I'd have been on the White oh, House lawn. That would have been 
freaking awesome. Yeah, but. yeah, yeah. Y'all, y'all joke. I man, I tell you, that would have been the story for the rest. I just stole toilet paper and everything. Well, we've come to the end of this chapter for this particular story, for the story of uh, uh, believing the Arizona Cardinals. Again, thanks to to my man, Casual E. Uh, Earl Burnett for rolling through again. Go to ksrnaz.com, ksrnaz.com, and you can find Believe uh, also on there as well. So we we do what we can. We you know we we help we family around here. We family. Appreciate so, you, and, brother Earl. And then also uh, Ed too, Smith, and my my partner Ed Smith. And so until next time, tell a friend to tell a friend about Believe in the Arizona Cardinals. Until next time, as I always say, you can. And remember, be easy out there. Appreciate you, brother Earl. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.